0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing gaming content creators and journalists. Just a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. It's all the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Lord Cognito. He's a co-host of the Iron Lords podcast, part of the Lords of Gaming Network, and a veteran gaming journalist and content creator. Thanks for joining us.
2: Lord, Justin, I'm in the realm. I'm in the realm, man. Thanks for having me. This is much appreciated, man. Good, good to be here. Excited to talk games and the whole bit, man. Always a pleasure to see you. My pleasure.
1: Thanks for having me. You know, I, we're switching the mic. Last time I've been on your show, now you're coming here, so it's, it's exciting. So start by introducing yourself. Tell everybody about your past gaming experience. What was the mm-hmm. first game you played, and how did you get involved in the gaming industry?
2: Yeah, very so. Lord Cognito. You know, originally a kid from the South Bronx, um, not too far from Yankee Stadium, and had a, a huge passion for gaming. Shout out to uh, Mama Cognito, because it wasn't for her putting up with my 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 gaming passion and nonsense and having like 12, 13 kids from the South Bronx all piled up in my house to play video <laughs> games. So she dealt with a lot. But, you know, the argument at the time where I went over was kind of like, hey, you don't like me in the street. You know safer you're here not- at home. Ex- and you know where I am, right? Exactly. But as far as, you know, gaming, yeah, man, I always had a passion. I also want to shout out my dad because um he was the one that kind of took me to my first arcade And uh, I think for me, probably the first game that resonated, that kind of changed my life was this game called Shinobi. It was in the arcade. It was made by Sega. It was upright. It was the 80s ninja craze. And um, yeah, it was in like a local arcade. And I took it, I saw it and I was just mesmerized by the lights, the the thing. And then we're talking about, you know, Kung Fu flicks and stuff. So it it was just a perfect time. And when I saw that, I'm like, I love it. I want to own that. I want to have that. And then the passion for gaming just really took off at that point. Amazing. So tell us
1: about the Lords of Gaming Network. What is it and why was it created?
2: Yeah, so Lords of Gaming Network is kind of a combination of two things. It's Ironwoods Podcast LLC, which is pretty much myself and three other lifelong friends. We sit there, we talk about video games, and we kind of – we kind of just talk about game, the gaming industry in general, basically trends and things that's happening. And then there's um, Lords of Gaming dot com, which is our media site. That's where we pretty much kind of like an independent website where we we interview as well. We also talk about go to conventions. We also talk about also topical topics, and we have writers, editorial team, the whole bit. And that's kind of that kind of like legitimizes us in the space. It's like a media publication. Absolutely, exactly. So I know you
1: started to talk about, you know, the Iron Lords podcast, or as I call it, the, you know, the breakfast club of gaming, you know, I definitely that's the closest equivalent that I could probably make from the entertainment world. So how has it started? And
2: you know, who's involved in it? All right, so it's myself, Lord Cognito. I'm the host. Then we have again my my cool friends. Actually, one of my best friends from the third grade, Lord Sovereign, and he's on it. And then Lord King, who is absolutely the most entertaining person I know. He's literally the funniest dude I know since we were kids. Like, so that's my cousin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, he's he's been such an influence on my gaming history because. If you grew up in New York, what you, re- you realized, there was a heavy import scene from the Japanese side. So for example, when Super Nintendo came out, it was the Super Famicom in Japan, but it came out actually a year before it came to the States. So King David would be the guy who would go get these imports and tell me, hey, this is going to be the new Super Nintendo. And this would be like downtown Canal Street. The import scene was all, was bubbling. So he, he, I was at the time, wasn't. You know, a lot. I wasn't financially in a good space. I was young. I wasn't making a lot of money. But he would get all that stuff: Neo Geo, Turbo Graphics. You did. So I would get to preview the next generation before it came out. So he's critical for that. You know. And then obviously it's Lord Attic. You know, who's from West Virginia. And to be honest, if it wasn't for Attic, I wouldn't have been a content creator. Because you know, as a as an older gentleman, uh, you know, I'm like, I didn't get it. I didn't get what podcasting was. I didn't get you know what it is. And this was a kid I, I used to, I uh, was a friend of a friend who used to be in Xbox live party chats. We'd play games. I play sports games or I play destiny and stuff like that. And he was very opinionated. And I was like, I like him. We don't agree a lot, but he's very passionate. And yeah, from that point on, you know, he just, we started talking. He was like, we should do a podcast. And I'm like, well, what, what's, why would anyone want to listen to anyone talk for any length of time? So he's like, no, bro, I'm telling you. He's like, I think you would be good. So, in the beginning, it became you started. I'll guess just to kind of see what's going on. I ain't gonna lie, Justin, like the passion started, and you know, you get your and first just clicked, bro. You just click, and you just get your first guest, and you really start to get that synergy. And then for me, I when I he said, I think you should host it now because clearly you have you know the passion, and guests gravitate towards you. And then, with me being a sports guy, I kind of put my own spin on it. I bring the energy. I kind of like Chicago Bulls. PTI,
1: yeah, (laughs)
2: yeah, like that whole vibe. Kind of like you know. And now, when I do the introductions, like when you come in the realm, I want to make you feel at home. We're going to talk about your gaming history, everything that's going on, and from that point on, it slowly started to to take off. Amazing. So, what are some of the typical
1: discussions or some past guests? You know, tell us a little about the show.
2: Yeah, so pretty much again, you know, for life, for friends, we pretty much um, want to celebrate content creators developers, any luminaries in the industries, whether it be voice actors, you know, but as far as past guests, man, we've had some big one this year specifically, you know, we actually had um, Peter Moore in the realm, you know, from the head of Sega, the head of Xbox, also was the head of the LFC Liverpool Football Club, which was an awesome story just to hear his his journey from a non-gaming background to sales, to marketing, and then boom, you know, We've had on so many luminaries. We've had um, actually Ryan McCaffrey from IGN, um, game developers like Jake Solomon, the creator of the Series X and Series S, Jason Ronald. Um, basically, you know, we, we want to put a spotlight because I think the issue is just that a lot of gamers, we think we know everything. Oh, these developers are lazy oh, the game was terrible, or what happened? Why didn't they fix that? Like, so easy, right? So You're so right. And it's like what you realize is the actual journey and the decisions that were made, why, and some things we had no idea that became Roblox. And also like how you asked me about my gaming history. You'd be surprised. Sometimes we're in your little bubble where you think, you know, just you and your crew were playing games, you're so passionate. But there's people in other countries kind of doing the same thing at the same time but no one knows each other kind of thing, or you realize, hey, we may have crossed paths at one point, so yeah, those are the fun stories, and as far as your other question, you know, we basically, we talk about the latest topics in the industry, you know, what's going on, oh wow, you know, Last of Us got canceled, the factions got canceled, oh wow, you know, this company, Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard King, what are the ramifications of that? How does that mean? Then sometimes we get you know, esports lawyers on talk, tell us about esports, this growing scene and, and what's happening, or just the legal aspect of gaming and it's educational but we also try to make it entertaining fun and that's what it's about bro at the end of the day it's about having fun games are about having fun and that's what we try to resonate definitely i think that's one of the things that someone who's
1: watching it and as you mentioned (laughs) guested on it is it's fun, it's exciting, it's you know, talking about fun stuff and it's very lively and but sometimes as with many of these conversations when you have people it sometimes just a little off track and you know you go down one tangent, and you're like, Oh, well, we gotta get back. So how does that work? How do you kind of rein it in as the host and get everyone
2: back on the same page? Yeah, good question. Now, Ireland Podcast tends to be a long form podcast. We have discussions, it's very <laughs> passionate. I warn people when they come on. We give them a time limit, you know, as far as respecting people's time because us four can talk and we can debate <laughs> and we never, we it's like rarely. Barbershop,
1: re- right? Isn't that kind of like if you saw that, that's what it is?
2: Facts. Barbershop, Breakfast Club kind of feel. And it's passion because a lot of us kind of stand So for my job is get back to the focus, you know keep the line of discussion on the topic. Now there's some tangents that, that happen that are natural, that are absolutely hilarious. And sometimes <laughs> I have to let that go because I'm like, okay, this is an organic discussion that is really interesting that I didn't see coming. We'll let it go. But then also one thing is respecting the guest time, the guests, we got to respect. And then the second thing, which is big for us, you know, I, I got pushed back from, from, from the other Lords of Mystery when we started, which was like, hey, man, I'm a real spicy talker, you know, and sometimes, you know, the f balls are dropped, drop. And I'm like, look, let's keep it respectful because at the end of the day, you know, we may disagree or have strong points and that's how we may talk offline. But online, we don't want everyone to feel comfortable and we don't want that situation. We've got positive feedback from executive CEOs, you know, say, hey, I can listen to the Lords in my car with my kids because I don't have to worry about you guys going off the rails. And then also the thing that people really respect, we'll have our guests that we know are on the complete opposite side of a passionate topic that we may feel about. And they know they can still come on. We could hear their side. We could have a, maybe a, a good discussion, this discourse and debate, but it's never going to be disrespectful. Like just you don't know what the hell you talking about. And yeah. you know, it's none of that wildness. you know, say, we're just going to have fun and at least hear the other, the other perspectives. Right. It's like a mature debate. It's like,
1: you know, it's a political debate. Yeah, we're going to we have different sides, different views on stuff. And we're very passionate about it. But we also respect your passion. And I think that's important. And, you know, that might, as you said, that might be the difference if you're trying to be very brand friendly and trying to be more, you know, PG rated, being able to be in more households without having the, you know, an R or PG 13 or some rating that takes you out of certain
2: conversations valid point and that's the thing right because it's like again every walk of life we want you to feel comfortable and we also want you to know that yo you don't have to be you know super big time streamer all the time yeah we'll have guests like that but also if you're getting started and we say hey you know what this person has something we think this person will bring an interesting conversation or you know just say you know what this is something we don't know about i remember we had um a, an eye doctor or like a, a a high level eye doctor and we were talking about the benefits of, of like you know getting your blue. eyes checked for gamers right and things that that you don't even think about right your the on blue the sc- lens and all that stuff there you go you're on a screen and then how it translated to vr how how that is you know we've had all different forms of life in, in different spaces the main thing we care about is that you're passionate about gaming or you at least know about gaming
1: so, kind of leading to the next one, what was some, you know, most memorable podcast or show highlight or just guess? Just, you know, a couple of that you're just like, wow, yes. I can't believe that's what happened.
2: Man. I mean, so many, I think particularly there was a movement called the Hold the Line movement that the Iron Lord podcast created initially from a from man, King David. And this was basically during the time I believe Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard King. And then they had a kind of, uh, they actually didn't acquire, they were in the process of trying to acquire, but there's a lot of legal staff rules and things that were going on mm-hmm. with the FTC. And, and, and trust you know, for all different countries. Yeah. Exactly. Then the CMA had blocked it. So the internal feeling from the Xbox fan base was was you know basically like, look, this is going to get done, but they weren't sure. They weren't. There was a lot of trepidation. And he started this rallying cry. And he's mm-hmm. like, look, you got to hold the line. It's going to happen. They're going to turn this thing around. And it became such a viral event and galvanized the community that the head of, you know, Xbox marketing took on to it. Because we, we had shirts, we had merch with it, wow. the whole bit. It was a... He wore it at the Xbox showcase, hold the line, because it seemed like internally they felt the same way as far as all well, the yeah, temptation. I mean, it's like yeah.
1: lots of hurdles, millions of dollars in legal fees all across the world and like... You know, we could do a whole episode on what the speculation of how it's going to change the video game industry from, you know, platform to, you know, console to PC to eSports. Like every – it touches every single aspect. Cloud game, it's it's a huge – and that's why it was $70 billion. Like the price tag fits the magnitude of the transaction.
2: Absolutely. It, it, it literally dominated our news headlines for a year and a half. And you couldn't escape it because it was almost like a saga. There were so many twists and turns to it. And then all the different regulators and countries that got involved. And what we learned is behind the scenes how both Sony and uh, Microsoft looked at each other. Nintendo in the space. Are they considered a third competitor in the space? Are they considered something else? You learn the verbiage. You, like, Gamers learned that those two years through the our show, like all the legal aspects right, of it. They learned it,
1: what's actually going on in the business wing. The business affairs people finally showed their hand a little.
2: And and we we learned so much from you guys. It, it was it was so educational. And, and also the revenue and, and what actually drives the business. We talked about also esports and things that nature the the impact of Call of Duty. Like man, how much of a juggernaut it was, and you just learn so like much. Cosmetics and how much
1: these microtransactions really make, and these you know subscription services, the Xbox Game Pass, where, like you said, because you're disclosing all these numbers and it's all publicly available. You know, smart people can start looking through them and be like, oh, wow, you made $150 million on this or, you know, you're not really making that much money on this stuff, even though it seems like you
2: are. Yeah, no, you you, pre- you nailed it. The biggest discovery for me, and shout out to my boy, Lord Sovereign, is we start looking at, like, the as far as uh, MAUs and monthly active users and also, you know, the actual revenue. And you start to realize that a lot of this came from these multiplayer game, live service games, as opposed to like the hardcore gamer thinks, hey, my last of us, so that's not saying that these games don't sell well, these single-player games, they think those are the high-quality, highly-reviewed games that that translates to revenue. And a lot of times it wasn't the case. We saw things like Minecraft dominating, right? Roblox dominating. Fortnite. Fortnite. Dom- so to get the hardcore gamer, which is a lot of our audience... They were taken back. It was a wake up call that hey, even though this is critically acclaimed, this does not translate to commercial success right. and, uh, exa- and and the, what's commercial success sometimes doesn't resonate with the hardcore gamer, but it's more popular by the masses and that's what I think people learn
1: right and I think it kind of comes to that whole dichotomy in the gaming business where you have the free to play versus you know the pay to buy it where those kind of games multi you pay your sixty dollars, you get your download. And maybe there is like a boot, but like that's the existence. But these other games, the Fortnite, the League, the Robux, the Minecraft, it's free to play. So once you're in, it's like, oh, well, it's free. So I can spend the 60 or the 100 and, you know, you wake up one day on Marvel Snap and, you know, I, I never say what I actually spent. But, you know, I, I read a statistic that if you were between 500 to 1,000, that was like kind of the average well. So oh, you I was in there. You know, like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm will i somewhere in that number on, you know, mobile gaming between Marble Snap and Marble Contest of Champions, but, <laughs> again, other than, that's, but that's the reason. Those are free-to-play games. Like, mm-hmm. you play the game, it's like, oh, well, now I want to get this champion. It's like, oh, the new card came out. And, like, if I don't have it, everyone else that I'm playing has it, so I'm at a huge disadvantage because yeah. they're just going to crush me with it. So, yeah. it, If you want to be competitive, and that's what those kind of games are with the multiplayer stuff because you're playing with other people against other people it's not like you're loading up and you're doing missions and then like once you're done you're done like it could take you a month or two days to do it like it's
2: it's yeah
1: end is the end you beat the final boss and it's like Yay, I did yeah. it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's it, you did it, you did But there's no consistent engagement, and you see what those, those companies want. And I'm glad you mentioned mobile, because that was a wake-up call for our audience as well. You know, a lot of people were like, yeah, this is just for Call of Duty. And, you know, again, the acquisition dominated the headlines, but we also realized the value of King and something like a Candy Crush. Oh, Candy and-
1: Crush crushes it. Like, oof. I got on this Monopoly game now that like my wife's cousin showed me, and it's like I think they made a hundred million dollars last quarter or something. scopely yeah. $1.99 dollar ninety nine dice and buildings in this game, and like
2: totally, totally, man. Like I said, you learn so much on what really drives the industry and what, you know, these companies executives and the financial people, what they really are valuing to also help support some of the things that, you know, that the hardcore may like kind of thing. But yeah, great topics, great, had some fantastic guests. We had legal our analysts in, we had people, you know, that knew what was going on with the CMA in, you know, it, it was really, it, I think, I think overall that the ABK will be an inflection point in gaming. And, and 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 from moving forward on what is actually going on, how the industry is trending forward.
1: Yeah, I mean they're going to be the you know most powerful entity really because you like like when Disney bought Fox, it was like you're bringing and Marvel it's like you're bringing Star Wars and Marvel and Disney, or you're bringing Mickey Mouse and Simpsons together, like like you yeah. just kind of unified like the two <laughs> spectrums of you know pop culture really.
2: Yeah. Like, and, and- I'm sorry, please continue. Yeah, it, well, I'm it,
1: saying like it's just it's just that same kind of concept of you know these now it's just taking the Activision Blizzard IP and bringing it into you know everything that Microsoft has.
2: Absolutely, and, and I think too, what was also a big passionate discussion was the whole idea of consolidation, and, and, and we got people on both sides of it. Some people were afraid. I mean, there's
1: gonna hey. be a lot of. I mean, I don't want to say there's gonna be a lot of layoffs.
2: Layoffs, yeah. Like, what there, happens? There's gonna be
1: a lot of redundancies once you start putting these companies together. You had four companies that kind of merging all together that were all around the world. Like I'm sorry to everyone out there. I'm I'm sure I'm not saying some news that no one is expecting, but it's, that's what happens in mergers and acquisitions. Like, you know, seniority plays in who's better fit. They look at the numbers. It's like you were here and you're making this much less, this much more than this person. Like, can you do a comparable job? Like it, it becomes Mm -hmm. like looking at a balance sheet and it's,
2: you're preaching. you preaching. It's tough. We learn about redundancy. We learn about again acquisition. What's you know why was it under so much scrutiny? Right. Obviously the dollar amount, but to your point, the transitionary period. Once you now own a company, okay, how does the messaging work? Um, you know who who gets to do what? You know in in certain cases and. And you start to see a lot behind the scenes of the complexities of it, right? It's not just, okay, like we own politics, right?
1: Like that they say, there's always this pull up politics. And then when you have senior VPs that have been at different companies for decades, and it's like, oh, well, this guy's been here too. But like they kind of serve in the similar roles. Are they going to be co-heads of the studio? Like is each studio now going to be different thing? Is Microsoft going to now be like, this is our RPG division. This is our free to play this is our mo like are they gonna totally restructure
2: everything right and then we learned about exclusivity like games that were made prior to acquisition what happens you know also you know with exclusivity as far as okay down that we own you do we lock this to our subscription service do we do we now add value to it or do we say you know what we can make more revenue by having call of duty everywhere because it's a live service or it has the multiplayer component you start to learn and, and we, we saw going to say inconsistency but we saw the 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 reasoning behind why they made different decisions oh starfield you know no this is going to be ours this is single player we want to drive the service this that kind of thing you know whereas minecraft hey you know what we'll put that everywhere it's such a huge you know legacy kind of title we feel restricting it to our ecosystem and making a war garden wouldn't be the best approach we also learned how much sony really prior to acquisition how much sony's revenue was for it existing on the platform and how much of a driver that was for a lot of their, their multiplayer. So again, the, that was bad. I would say that was the biggest guess. For, for the, the Microsoft app, the Activision Blizzard King acquisition. Oh boy. It was, it, it dominated the headlines for a while. I mean, and I, I think it's gonna
1: be dominating the headline for the foreseeable future. As we see, releases how they had releases you know it was blizzcon and become this huge microsoft mania where it's like now microsoft is putting on the show and it's like where does xbox become just the preferred dominant platform because they have everything and maybe they have more exclusive like maybe you could play minecraft everywhere but the xbox version comes with extra stuff or like mm-hmm. you know like a couple extra skins if you download it through xbox pass or whatever. like yeah. these other things now again, it's not necessarily going to be like, okay. But like, if I'm deciding between Xbox or PlayStation, knowing that being an Xbox subscriber and getting Xbox Game Pass is going to give me all this other stuff,
2: same right. price, really? Like, right. You- <laughs> and to, to your point, you know, I, even, we're thinking even about the marketing, which is like, you know, you go to the eSports event. Now does that change? Is it an Xbox controller there, you know, that, that the gamers are using? What's the incentives to get them in the base? Do they, you know, look at the Series S and say, you know what, let's make this publicly known as the home of Call of Duty. You have maybe Call of Duty branding and all exactly. the Series so S.
1: special things that you get just by using that.
2: That, exactly. And then just think about the logic of a person who would be the casual gamer who say they just buy Call of Duty, they just buy 2K or, or Madden every year. And now you find out, wait a minute, if I buy a Series S or Series X and I get Game Pass, I have all of these games at launch and I don't have to spend the 7D and the system up front. You just play it and you get, you know what I mean? There's yeah, so like x just yeah. pushes you. It's like you don't need both if you only, mm-hmm. like...
1: You know, this just doesn't necessarily make sense to have both at that point.
2: Right. And and last point is, you know, in reference to the mobile, I'm not a huge mobile gamer, but I do understand the importance and the revenue and how much of a driver it is. Now that they own that, is it a situation where it's like, oh, by the way, there's Game Pass because these phones are so powerful, right? You can play mobile versions of Halo mobile. Exactly. We know Call of Duty mobile exists and, and there's so many possibilities here of where it goes. Just very fascinating, interesting stuff. We love to have these type of topics on there because it really tries to show where the game is going. Even AI right now, that's a hot button for us right now. AI mm-hmm. is big right now. You know, using AI voices, I believe, there's this game called The Finals right now, fully AI voiced kind of thing, and it's taken off. And then, you know, there's people that are like, hey, the ethical side, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people that say, the developer side, hey, this is making development easier. This is making these games come out. Fair. It's such a good, you know, talking point kind of. And, you know, we, we actually
1: had a, a pretty well-known voiceover person on a recent episode, so I know she has her thoughts on AI trying to replace her as, you know, voicing characters. And, you know, again, it's what with the game development, like using it for coding, like is it going to save you hundreds of man hours, saving you a lot of money, but does that mean now there's less need for coders and people to do it because we don't need to pay you to do it if the AI is going to do it 10 times faster for a fraction of the cost
2: so it, it's we're tough. in good t- we're, we're, we're interesting times man right <laughs> interesting times that we get we get to see so these are the like how we just vibing right now like these are some of the discussions we have and, and you know we get people who are very opinionated trying to see both sides of it but ultimately just have some fun with it man because this this is gaming and this is our passion amazing so
1: i know the lords attend many gaming events and conferences so what do you like most about attending them and what are some of your favorite events or conferences
2: all right, so true story, Noah Justin, true story. I'm as much as people love me and the Lords for po- for podcasting. And that's that's a passion, don't get me wrong. But there is something in me about going to a live event, putting me, you know, give me a microphone. I put the microphone in your face and I say, Hey Justin, tell me about this game you're making. What's going on? To me, it's almost like as a guy who loves hip hop and music, it's almost going to a convention is almost like getting the behind-the-scenes like listening getting the party. Streets, right? You're like, getting, getting to the, the streets, right? Getting to the streets. Uh, like Right before the Before, no one knows about you. You're an undiscovered artist, right? I remember, you know, seeing Fortnite. I remember seeing Kingdom Come Deliverance and, and people not realizing what it was. And these things just take off. I remember we interviewed. i never forget, Lord's giving that net. One of my writers was like, huh, there's this game called Fall Guys. I'm <laughs> telling you. It's going to pop. It's going to be a hit. So I go over there and I look at him like, this? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm telling you. The politicians I, playing fall guys. Bro, little I, US
1: senators.
2: Same thing, that among us. So it's the beauty of seeing something that could be a phenomenon in its early stages. No one knows it. He's like, it's like an independent artist. Hey, listen to my album. Listen to my demo kind of mm-hmm. thing. So you hit, we hit the streets. We go to the E3s. We go to the PAX Easts. We go to the PAX West. You know, one of the big goals will be Tokyo Game Show, going out there just to see what that's about in in the Japanese culture and the scene there. But for me, going to the conventions, one, that hand-to-hand aspect of dealing with the developer getting the information before everyone the access obviously as a media outlet is really appreciated you get views you get a lot of traffic Thanks for
1: the media pass everyone
2: thank you for the media pass. and then you know obviously people get exposure to a game that they say wait a minute that looks cool i like this game this wow i got my eye on this right so the relationship works well we get the coverage but they also get you know eyes on that and i think for me the last thing even though you know um E three is canceled, but you know, the the the, the Summer Game Fest, the, the packs and stuff like that. GDC. The, GDC, the the event, the the Oscars levels, you know, um presentation, the coming on stage announcing, hey, these are the gigs, being in the in the crowd for those moments. And the camaraderie and also networking. There's so many opportunities, you know, you come across with just, you know, meeting publishers, developers, you know, advertisers, things of that nature. So I, I, I personally feel it's a benefit to get out your comfort zone, go to the events, and it can really help your brand. I, I I feel the Lords really took off when we implemented going to the PAX East. PAX East was huge for us. We really took off. I remember seeing Kingdom Come Deliverance, a lot of games, a lot of developers, Microsoft, Sony. We covered um I believe Days Gone before it came out. It was like a zombie game from Sony. Being at the Nintendo events, you know, Splatoon for the first time. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And, and you know, seeing the Nintendo Switch for a first time and saying, wait a minute, they may have something here, portability. This is going to make him a competitor now. Yes, yeah, so Nintendo's back. Like hardware for the first time, you know, the Series X, the Series S. So, being at an event for the Lords has been extremely beneficial for our brand, our podcast Amazing. you
1: Amazing. Know, definitely seeing you guys at some. It's always fun to see you. you guys really kind of steal the show in the conference center. That was kind of how I kind of got drawn to you at the beginning. I kind of just saw this group of dudes just kind of swarming exactly rocking their gold shiny shirts and you know that energy is kind of what entertainment's about so you know definitely love seeing you guys doing all that appreciate it
2: appreciate it
1: so yeah kind of what do you like most about hosting the podcast
2: so hosting the podcast it's again the, the thing i think is the most fun i love what i'm known for is my introductions right you know, introducing you know the Lord, and I, I'll go through your accolades. You know, me doing the research behind the scenes. What have you done? You know, why you're an interesting uh, person for the platform, making you feel comfortable. Um, what I do like about it is also just vibing with with, with the Lords, right? Just it, it's like like you said, barbershop, right? So our schedules. This is basically the origin of it. Also, is that you know, growing up in the South Bronx, you know. All of us, basically, my house was the safe spot for people to get off the street. Hey, you're going through some stuff. Yo, come over here. Let's play some Madden. Let's let's bug out. You know what I'm saying? And get you out of that. So in my opinion, that's so why I shout out my Mama Cognito, you know, we helped a lot of people. And my house every Saturday became the safe haven for the kids in the neighborhood to play games. So Iron Man Podcast is an extension of that. It is like a group of friends in front of the camera, in front of the mic. We have, we're catching up on the week. And the cool thing about us is we're genuine friends. Like it's not a put together thing. Like we all know each other. We all travel together. And I think the fun thing is catching up with your brothers and wanting to know, okay, how does he feel about this, time? Like, what's he really thinking? You know, I've been known to push buttons to get the the conversation going sometimes. You know, I got to learn when to peel back sometimes and let them speak. And sometimes it's like, yo, all right, Justin's having a moment right now. Let him cook. Let him cook, he's on fire. Even if I agree, disagree, you know, and also I forgot the biggest important thing. I think the thing that separates us is no disrespect to any other content creator. As you get bigger, it gets harder to track the super chats, the engagement, the people just wanting to talk to you and reach out. And, and, and inclu-
1: commenting on what you're saying. And
2: commenting, right? So we have this rule that we, it gets us in trouble with show length. But we read every comment, super chat, you know, Patreon, you know, anyone that wants to involve himself, we read it every single one. So they feel connected. They know they are part of this mission, this journey, and we respect their time. So I think that's huge for us because people feel they can influence the show. And sometimes they do with with, with funny comments or, you know, just, you know, hey, questions and stuff like that people have, have put us in weird scenarios in, in these little kind of games and like, imagine if this happened what do you do if that da, 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 you always got you guys all have to agree to save the world funny scenarios like <laughs> this stuff like that it's cool it's amazing so what's the hardest part about it Ooh. consistency oh right? one um, number yeah one of the hardest things for us is we had to come up with a day right sunday was the only day that worked and we were told notoriously, hey, that's not a good Yeah, day. I mean, it's Sunday football. It's Sunday's not, like... Bro, we've had guests cancel. I was like, yo, that's Sunday football fan," And I, I get it. I get I- it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> we talked in right? football. We were in the off season. We really had it in the summer. It, it, really maybe catch you in the summertime with the off season and then we have you as a guest we totally get it and then you know obviously you know some executives like, hey they're with their families that on the weekend they don't necessarily want to come on on a podcast so we had to commit to sunday commit to a, a time frame at one point we did bend the knee to nfl football at one o'clock during football season we've gotten to the point now that we can absorb it and then we'll get retainership after that but um i think the hardest part is one, the consistency. The first 20 episodes, I would say, do about 10 episodes to see if you really enjoyed, if you're passionate about it. With us, we didn't have the engagement, but we were having fun. So I'm like, okay, let's stick with it. Um, The hardest part is not seeing the initial reward like the chat is low i mean i remember it'd be eight people in chat you call the homie up like bro you, you my man you know me you know we do the po- why you wasn't in the chat today? <laughs> Like, you, you get You get to get out your feelings right because it's like you, you want to see some return in this investment you're doing but i think once we saw that that started to motivate us a little bit and i think um the main thing i would say is consistency and i would say the hardest thing is kind of like maintaining the vision of what you're doing M- maintaining okay why am i doing this why are we here not getting off track with other stuff and superficial stuff so yeah that, that's probably the main thing and just make sure right. everybody's good man everybody checking in on everybody make sure that everybody during this journey we have it definitely so what tips do you have for aspiring podcasters, people that are trying to get in on do this be yourself don't try to imitate Someone else. You may look. We all are influenced. I was influenced by a lot of people, right? But I'll tell you a funny story. I remember. Obviously, I'm known for these bombastic introductions of people, and I remember it, it's a natural instinct to look at the comment section after a show, right? You're going to get negative feedback from somebody. You gotta you gotta learn to process that and see. Okay, is this legitimate criticism? Or is this person just being ridiculous? Yeah, it's just the internet trolls, right? Is he trolling, right? And it takes a while because, again, I'm from the South Bronx. Like, you can't just say anything to me. Like, you know what I mean? on the like, internet, you you know, you know, and you learn that people have a lot of a lot of a lot of toughness behind the keyboard. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. But the reality, there was one comment I never forget. Shout out to Addict because he helped me with this to solve. Um, okay. Pretty much what happened was the guy was like, I ha- we had like our first big content creator, content creator on. And, um, you know, it was a huge networking opportunity because like their audience get to see us. We have them and like, okay, who are the Lords? So I go through my spiel, I introduce, I do the thing. And the guests actually loved it, had a great time. There was a comment that was like, I'm, I'm not going to say the content creator's name, but it got the content was like, look, man, uh, you know, Justin, you are cool, but don't go or ever go on these guys' show. This stuff, this, this little thing, is corny or whatever it was. And the intro, like they, they they ripped the intro, and I was like, man, I took it hard, bro. So I remember, like, I, I went to Attic, I went to Cam, like, yo, I think I should peel back with the intros, and they were like, no, they were like, that's what makes you you. It's almost like the Chicago Bulls of the nineties, and now you know the starting. Like they they were like, you bring a flair to it. Don't stop that part. So from that point, I was kind of conservative with the intros. But then from after that point, prior to that part I was conservative. But after that point, I went a little extra. a little. It actually motivated. And then people was like, hey, I'm arguably, not to brag, but arguably considered one of the best hosts or introducers in the podcast, in the gaming podcast scene, because people really feel good. Like having Peter Moore, Jason Ronald, luminaries in the industry, when I introduced them. And I've had people stop me and say, look, can we record that? And you can send that to my bosses about how great I, am. <laughs> that kind of, and it makes me feel good. It makes them feel good. And I, and I said, I, I kind of resonated with that. So yeah, that, those are some of like the, the tougher times, you know, so to speak.
1: Right. That's definitely a lot, you know, dealing with a lot of the creators and influencers. It's like you can't look at the negative comments. You know, I was, working with this really big rapper and it's like, he would just sit on his phone looking at all the negative stuff. It's like, like, the funniest thing, and I always say it, it's like if these people were in front of you, they oh. would be like, Oh, I love you so much. Please take a picture with me. Like, oh, they would tell everyone in the world at the time they met you. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're all tough guys on the internet and they all be, you know,
2: screaming and saying everything that they never would otherwise. Exactly. You, we, for the end, you know, there's certain things you can't, you would never do it from place to place. And that you got to make that separation with the internet. And a last piece of advice I do want to say is that networking. And again, the guy that's a little older, you know, I am i wasn't used to, not not that you're not used to someone saying, no, I won't come on your show. But it was one of those things where, like trying to secure guests. That was a challenge in the beginning, right? And um, sometimes we all want to shoot for the stars. i always advise, shoot your shot. You want big time superstar, shoot your shot. You'll be surprised. There's times when you think, so you have a chance to hell, and someone will respond to that email that you sent to the publicist or the media team, sometimes using social media to say, hey, man, it would be my dream to have you on in the, in the realm of the Lords. It would be an honor. Some of our biggest interviews came through as a result of that. Just literally shooting the shot or talking to the right people who represent them. And don't get mad by the rejection short term. Keep growing, keep grinding, keep also working with people of your size, people lower than you. Don't get too Hollywood yourself where you don't want to work with anybody. because I've seen people do that, and then they don't have any guests, they're they're frustrated, but they're not even working with their own peers or their contemporaries or people that can help them. And I think one of the advantages of the Lords is we don't play the politic game. If you're interested, interesting, and we feel you have a good story, you come on, and there's times where guests that we really wanted, we didn't have on in the beginning, and we ended up getting them two, three Mm -hmm. years later, and you go, yo, look how far we came. Wow, couldn't believe that happened. And We have those magical moments. Right, or it's like you want someone, but it's like, let me do a couple other ones, show them who else I have, and then I could reach out to them. Build that resume, and then what I do, uh, you know, tip, I give y'all some game, like, (laughs) hey, send a link with, hey, this is our exclusive interview playlist. These are the people we've had on. So people get a format, because a lot of times people don't know you right? So they're like, oh, what am I getting into? Kind of thing. Hey, this is our format. Be very clear and concise what your goal is when you send out those type of, you know, emails to request guests and things of that nature. And uh, you'd be surprised, man. It goes a long way. Definitely. So
1: this was amazing. So to kind of like bring this towards the end, what's the future for the Ilawns podcast and, you know, the Lords of Gaming Network? Mm. I know you have some interesting stuff going on with our our network prediction. So shout out to them. Shout but, out to Prediction. You know, what's the future for you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, you know, we had to be real about the the aspect of monetization and and, and doing this. Look, a lot of people, you know, we come from full-time jobs and, and, and jumping into space with a passion, right? But to be honest, the passion is really, like, doesn't feel like work. So what's the long term? The long term goal is obviously to legitimize. You know, you know, we went, we turned into an LLC, right? We got that going, becoming a, a, a company. The other thing, as well as um, continuing to grow in the space as far as revenue, advertising, continue to get more bigger guests on. But to be able to do this full time, so you, you know, you you put up the you put the nine to five away, and you really are able to commit. I think that is. Tremendous, you know, that, that's a tremendous transit. If that's a long term goal for you, as far as um, Lords of Gaming Network, the site, you know, continue to grow as a media outlet, continue to, you know, some of our highlights getting on Open Critic, Metacritic, that kind of stuff, being recognized as a legitimate source of news where you can go to and developers can come to and feel comfortable working out with the PR people. So, long term. The vision is to grow to make this thing an absolute beast, if you can, where we, the lords, are known, you know, as this gaming kind of media conglomerate and continue to grow. Right, and, that you and guys get- can
1: make or break games, right? Isn't that the key? Like Cisco Lieber, yes. it's like they, their thumbs up or thumbs down can make or break stuff. And, you know, to have that kind of, you know, ability for pop culture to be able to give a real opinion that's not biased where it's like, Cause that's the problem. It's like you don't want to offend anyone in these industries that are very small and very tight knit, and everyone knows everyone, and people hold grudges because people are people, and you know people can't. And it sucks, but people say business is business, but people are people, and Absolutely. sometimes you're being a person might cloud how you might handle a business situation, and
0: mm-hmm. I
1: will, you know, I'm not gonna say I'm not. Of, you know, guilty of those things in my day as well. You try not to let emotions impact stuff, but
2: people yeah. are people, right? You nailed it. It's having that separation and still give that honest opinion regardless to the relationships. But at the same time, I think the key is regardless if you like or dislike something being respectful it's how you say it because yeah obviously we have relationships as well but sometimes you, you know you may love the developer you may love the publisher right you get the game or you get the review code you would talk about on a platform like oh, this ain't it right but it's how you say it right yo this studio should blow up they should fire it all you see what yeah, i'm like, saying what
1: were these guys thinking when what they, were they made thinking? this
2: exactly it's how you present because that affects like people are human there's people that work hours upon hours. Sometimes you don't know the full story on h- how something came to a bad result, not justifying it, but at the same time, still also maintaining that journalistic integrity to say, okay, you know what? We may love you personally, this ain't it, or hey, the opposite, right? So it- it's-, it's-, it's how you say things. And one thing that I think I'm very proud for about ILO Podcast and Gaming.network is I have been told internally from executives that listen to our show. And say if the lords are not feeling it or whatever, we know it's legit. We know it's coming from a place of realism, right? Because they're gonna get and 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 that audience trusts them. Their audience knows, hey, the Lord said that it's legit. All right, we're gonna mess with that product. We're gonna, hey, prediction. Okay, you know, we're on with them because if the Lord's co-signed it, we know it's official because we've built we built that representation that that reputation of keeping it keeping it real. That reputation of keeping it real. So um. I think that's big for us and people see that genuineness and even when we cross paths with people, people like, hey man, they took the time out, you know, whether they're big or small to to stop interviews, say our talk. I, I, I had a developer come up to me and say, you don't realize what you did by just even the way you presented, you gave critical feedback but it helped our development team and then they went and they took off and they became something else. Hearing those kind of stories really resonates. And the last thing I say is it's seeing my peers, man, you know, seeing other people in the space that you've seen grind and work hard, you know, hip hop game is a fan of mine and I'm a fan of his, you know, big, big, you know, we do a lot of work together, just seeing other people in the space because at the end of the day, you don't, everybody thinks they gotta be the one, you know what I'm saying? Kind of thing. But sometimes it's about working together and pulling all in. We all lift each other up to get to that space. So, yeah, absolutely. Those are some, of the, some of the things. 100% agree
1: on that. So, you know, I like to try to end each episode with my three questions.
2: So Ooh. what's your favorite game to watch? Ooh, favorite game to watch? It would probably be Tekken. I'm big mm. in the Evo. Um, Tekken 8 coming out very soon. Um. Yeah, Tekken, that's my heart. I, I was, before the competitive esports scene, Cog was a competitive Tekken player, and I was very good, so I would go to the Chinatown fairs, I would go compete against the best players in the world, so I look at these kids now, I'm like, man, I was a generation too late. Right. I wish I could do this evil. I wish I could be more like, and I watch these kids, man, and they're so good, you know, knee and all these guys and just new upcomers on the scene. How they master these characters, the frame data, and all that stuff. It's such a complexity to the fighting game scene now that I love mm-hmm. to watch it. So yeah, that Tekken would be one number one to watch. So, your favorite game to play? Ooh, I know.
1: I knew these are gonna be tough for you.
2: All right, favorite game. So I'm gonna and so I'm gonna preface this like this is probably the only game I'd be able to play because I love so many games. So. My fallback is always Destiny by Bungie because the shooting feels so good. These are the creators of Halo. It's live service. I could play with my friends. We could do a a cooperative fire team, three players. And I think one of my favorite activities in Destiny is this thing called the raids, six-player activities. The game does not hold your hand. You do not know what's going on. We have to puzzle solve together. It may cause some arguments like, Justin, stand on the plate. Why didn't you do it? And we all fail. You know what I'm saying? But when you beat this challenging content, it's some of the most reward. You felt like you've been through Vietnam with your man, y'all <laughs> veterans, like y'all, y'all been through yo, it. Yo, you we,
1: dodged, we survived something here.
2: I've got friends on my friend list to this day. Like that, are either now part of Lords of Gaming.net and stuff like that because of games like Destiny. And I'm like, yo, that's my brother. You have my back. You saved it. We didn't wipe on the run. Like, yeah, that kind of energy. So, yeah, Destiny 2. I'm a, I'm a huge Destiny family. So, Destiny would be there. Amazing. Who's your favorite video game character?
0: Ooh, that
2: is good. And the fastest video game character. So, I would probably put it, I would start probably go with the Sega era. Because I'm a Sega kid, that's tough, man. I love so many <laughs> characters. Let me see. Um, I guess I could kind of. Nah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go deep. I'm gonna go deep. I'm gonna say my va- favorite video char- game character is Shepard from Mass Effect, because you put your personal feelings into this character. You control the relationships, whether he goes Paragon or Renegade, and. It's one of the most replayable single-player games because of all the choices that you make. And the fact, it was one of the first games that when you played the first game, the choices that you made carried over into the second game. People who lived wow. or died carried over into the second and the third game. So wow. Mass Effect was such a unique game for its time. I think I did a presentation on that game um, uh, in front of in front of a crowd about why it's arguably one of the greatest games of all time. And I broke it down. I had my slideshows. I had my PowerPoint. I was like, this He's is like, like do like, you agree? Da, da, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was in my bag. But people came around. They were like, bro, you're right. For its time. So shepherd the game character. Yeah, shout out to Bioway. That was an ambitious project they made.
1: Okay, well, those are some amazing answers. So you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was as entertaining as I imagined. So tell everybody where they can connect with you and check what you guys are all working on.
2: Well, first of all, thank you for having me in the realm. Lord Justin. Appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Obviously, I'm at Lord Cognito on Twitter. Mostly on Twitter a lot, but we're on TikTok, Iron Lords Podcast. YouTube is Iron Lords Podcast. Instagram, Iron Lord at Iron Lords Podcast. Make sure you support the site. If anyone's listening, um, LordsOfGaming dot net. Some great um, news articles, opinion pieces, game reviews, walkthroughs, tips. You know, we, we're independent and we really have extreme talent there, and we and all that really helps us drive us to to these conventions and being a, a reputable media brand and stuff like that. And obviously the podcast is every Sunday 1 p.m. Eastern um, on um, Iron Lord Podcast YouTube channel. Also, if you don't want to watch the video, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, you name it, we're on it. Iron Lord's L-O-R-D-S Podcast. Go check us out. Yes, sir. Make sure to tune in on
1: Sunday. You have football on one screen and the Iron Lord's on the other, right? Thanks. They say everyone's on two and a half screen <laughs> average, so... You know, that's your second or third screen. So, yeah.
2: And if you're religious, every Sunday is the Lord's Day. <laughs> yes, sir. The Lord's come, come Day. hang the out Lords the congregation get
1: together and they talk about Microsoft. So, absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q. And check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. And check us on YouTube at Justin J E S Q. As now we're starting to put out all these great videos. So, make sure you check them all out.
2: JMJ in the building my man absolute pleasure man thank you so much for having me thank you